John from Red Horse Radio, and you're listening to Kettle Whistle Radio on the Society 13 Network. KOKW calling. I'm on international frequency. Come in. Knuckle up again. Make me want to dance. You know, what is this? What does this represent? Uh, because this isn't just about soda. Hello, Beans. This is Dave. And... Hello! Don't judge me! Don't judge me! Don't judge me! It's going to be called Kettle Whistle. Hello, folks. This is Dave. And welcome to another edition of Kettle Whistle Radio. And we have a reoccurring guest here that... I am not only a friend of, but a fan of, uh, Brian Coddington. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. Um, actually, uh, I'm kind of a, a pile of shit right now uh, as far as emotions and things happening around me. But I get past it. You know how I get past it? I have a party at Helm's Deep, and you were there. Yes, it was. Did you enjoy yourself at Halloween? Awesome. Yeah, awesome. yeah, it was a good time. And I'm glad you came, and I'm glad you came. You know, what, we're talking atrocities today. <laughs> not atrocities. Just one the, atrocity. Uh, the one atrocity, yes. Yeah. My my film that I'm I'm in the process of getting finished and screen at the end of this month, uh, House of Oddities: The Story of the Atrocity Exhibition. So, and we're going to be getting deep into that with uh, not only uh, my guest host Lydia Peaver, also Macabre Noir, Noir herself, who is co-producer and co-producer also stars. And, and well, she she is the founder of the Atrocity Exhibition. So, very good, very good. Um, but yeah. Well, just stay tuned, folks. And right now I'm going to play a tune from uh, Jet Noir, also a veteran of Kettle Whistle Radio. Uh, this is our project, Naked Lunch. And the song I'm going to play is, uh, well, it's the latest release. We'll get into that in a little bit.
Alright, well, hey, well, welcome to Kettle Whistle Radio. I have a repeat performer here and a friend, and a, I'm a big fan of Mr. Brian Coddington, director. We're back again. How's it going? Yeah, really good, actually, but uh, could be better. I don't want to get into me right now. Uh, we, we also have a co host here with you, uh, my, uh, my lovely uh, Lydia Peaver. Are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, how are you guys? Good. Doing good. Calling all the way from Canada. But now we have Brian here. We're discussing this new project of his, um, House of Oddities, a documentary. Uh, tell us about this. Well, uh, as you know, um, I'm not a documentary filmmaker. No, you're a horror filmmaker. I'm not. I'm a horror filmmaker. That's what I. That's what I do. That's that's my uh, natural state, if you will. So. Um, this all kind of came about because I am I'm really good friends with uh, people who like the Bridge City Bombshells, uh, the Burlesque Troupe in Pittsburgh, uh, along with some of the performers, you know, Macabre Noir and uh, the Cabaret Vulgaire uh, Troupe as well. And I had been, uh, you know, involved with Atrocity for about... I have to say, this would be my third year. You're going to have to let us know about this in particular. What exactly is Atrocity? Okay, just just so you know, Atro- the Atrocity Exhibition is a annual um, artist collective. That's the, the, the most true name that I could give it. It's an artist collective uh, and performance um, in which every year there's a theme, and usually it's a theme that is very obscure... Uh, and it's run by uh, Macabre Noir of Morosa Macabre. That's why it's usually called Morosa Macabre's Atrocity Exhibition. Uh, and they've been doing it for five years. I did and not know that. And it's been held in the Rex Theater in the uh, south side of Pittsburgh. And uh, my involvement came with them adding, about three years ago, a uh, video element. They had known that I'd done films and... You know, namely the horror films. Right, Tablet of Tales. Tablet of Tales. Lydia, do you remember me talking about Tablet of Tales at all? Yes, because I've had uh, the Dagger Vision Films website Correct. in my cache and in my uh, bookmarks, for sure. So, I mean, I, I, you know, Tablet of Tales is the most recent horror film I've done, but I mean, I've had done a whole bunch of short films, and, and they had seen that, and, and they wanted to add a video element that would go before the actual show would begin. And for for me, it was a, a, a great thing because no, that's probably coming more right now. Oh, we're being poked by somebody. We're being poked here. by somebody. Um, let's just finish my thought. Uh, basically, they want out a video element. They they uh, we have to cut this up a bit because yeah, I'm losing good. myself. You're good. But um, they uh, want out the video element to the show. And uh, it started off just, you know, taking a music clip that they had and then, you know, putting video to that. And it started with more like mixed media type of stuff. And then last year we did this whole um, actual film portion in which we did Pepper's Ghosts and everything. Suddenly we were joined by somebody else. Oh, I wonder who that could be. I see a picture. Is she on a delay or is she good to go? I don't know. We'll find out. Macabre, you there? Hello. Hello. What's going on? Not much. You want to introduce her? This is Macabre Noir, the co-producer of the House of Oddities, the story of the Atrocity Exhibition, and also one of the founders of the Atrocity Exhibition. You're on the radio. Oh, oh, we're on the radio. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> hey, what's up, Macabre? This is Dave with Kettle Whistle Radio. I have Lydia Peaver with me. She's on. She's up in Canada. She's a horror writer who is also my co-host. So uh, she may be asking you guys some questions in a little bit. Excellent. Oh, for sure. Lydia, you got this some. This is totally fascinating. Yeah, I know it is. Actually, Lydia's not really a stranger not to yet. all this. Lydia, not yet. All right, you sit back, sit tight then. But Lydia's not a stranger to this performing arts thing. I okay. don't know where she wants to go with this, but she'll. Uh, she's got some questions, I'm sure. She's right now. She's just too interested. <laughs> right. But so go ahead with where. Where were you? <laughs> okay. Well, 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 macabre. Jump in if I miss anything. We're, we're talking about. Uh, how I got involved with the atrocity, namely, so like the, the whole intro video stuff. Okay. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I'd been making these videos for them for the past two years, and this year was their fifth anniversary, and they wanted to do something special, so uh, Macabre uh, sat me down and said, we want you to not do the intro video this year. Am I paraphrasing that? That's pretty much what you said. Yeah, kind of. Kind I, of. I was a little. I was a little bit gentler about you it. You were. You were. But you were just like, we don't want you to do it. We want to have Rachel Deacon. I'm like, okay, fine. Yes, I said I have a much more complicated <laughs> project for you. And and yeah, you you were right. Uh, <laughs> because one, you're asking me to tackle two things: one, feature filmmaking, which I've uh, this is the first, and and two, it, it's completely out of my element. The fact that it's a documentary. And she's your co-producer, like you she's said. the co-producer, and honestly, she's been doing a hell of a job. Well, can you, can, can you guys side. explain it to somebody? Let's say somebody new that may go see this movie, what what they can expect when they come to see uh, and a documentary, Brian. I, I got to say, I'm impressed. Thank you. It, yeah, it's um, it's a film. Um, it's about the event that we throw um every year. Obviously, it it actually, you know, there were uh three camera point of views um filming at the venue as the show was taking place, but they were with us during all of the Correct. planning and building and got a lot of behind the scenes stuff. So, it's not just about um you know, the event itself. It's more about um the people behind it and why they do what they do and who they are and how they came together and how they have this sense of family through this love of something completely unconventional and what most people would consider taboo or bizarre. Um, and it's about their backgrounds and how similar they all are. Like there's a lot like bullying has been like a thread that is, um, you know, really prominent in most of the history backgrounds. Um, but it's just, it's about the love of these artists have for each other and getting together once a year and actually creating something. So, and, and not only that, but it is also, you know, again, it was filmed at the event. So you get to see, you know, the, the final product as well. Right. And, and the way that the film is designed, and, and Dave, you saw a portion of this. Yeah, I was pretty impressed with what I saw. I saw Andrew the Impaler. <clears throat> yeah. And Fat uh, Mandy. Yeah, um, Macabre, uh, before the show started, uh, Dave kind of has been the, I can actually say this, you're the first person who's uh, actually seen. Wow, okay, thank you. Cut. I'm honored. So, that yeah. was cool, it was awesome. I'm not even, not even Macabre's seen the cut yet. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Monday, I'm jealous. On Monday, on Monday, which... I'm going to say this. Uh, let me just say yeah, this, so, and Lydia will relate to this too. It, it, it rolls like an HBO documentary. His editing, I, I assume you're doing the editing, I did the is editing, yes. perfect, and it runs just like if you go back to Taxi Cab Confessions or Real Sex on HBO. It rolls like that. I was really impressed with it. Awesome. Yeah, th those are the documentaries. Yeah, just from the trailer alone. 
I'm really impressed with the editing skill already and the lighting too in the venue, the capturing of that that existing light, I really like. Well, that's actually an interesting story. Uh, it turns out that the lighting guy who who did the atrocity exhibition this year, who in the past I, few years actually, past few years, yes, he I think he, he did Cirque du Soleil. Yes, he did. Get out yes, of he here. did. Really? He did Cirque du Soleil. He did the lighting for Cirque du Soleil. Well, how does that come about? He just so happened to be working at the venue. Um, yeah. He he nice. was in town for the Cirque du Soleil. He's the lighting guy. That's what he does. Um, he worked. Uh, he worked on several big. Uh, big venues and stadiums and big shows, like high-production shows. But he does this gig on the weekend for, like, extra money when he's in town. Um, and it just so happened the one night that he was in town um, working at the Rex Theater, uh, uh, we were doing our show there. Um, and he's a native of Pittsburgh and a good friend of one of our entertainers oh, okay. as well because cool. it's a small world. But uh, And so he just so happened to do lights for our show in 2011, I want to say it was. Uh, 2012. And, um, when I was explaining to him, like, prior to the show, I was like, listen, we're doing Phantasmagoria, like, there's a lot of ghost stunts, we're doing a Pepper's Ghost, like, this lighting needs to be, he's like, you know what, he's like, I love this, I never get to do this when I'm here, I'm always doing, like, band shows or something, he was like, just... Let me talk to the entertainers. I will get the lights uh, set up. He's like, don't worry about a thing. And it was beautiful. Like, it was beautifully done. Um, he did a split at one point that was, like, half green and half um, black lit. So one of the ghosts was glowing green in the medium. Or the ghost was glowing uh, black light and the medium was glowing green. And we were, like, so impressed. And he was so impressed. So the next year he was like, I came back as soon as I heard that you guys were going to be here again. So... So we just so like that's just how that happened. He loved what we did. We loved what he did, and you know, so we got together on it, and he's been with us since. Yeah, and then also on top of that, the cinematographer, direct photography for the film is a, a good friend of mine. His name's Tim Roberts. Uh, we both graduated from uh, Chatham's film master's course, and he's phenomenal cinematographer. He did all the cinematography. Um, he was part of that three camera trifecta that we used. Uh, along with doing the uh, interview um, camera work. So, but what kind of soundtrack are you working with? Soundtrack wise, uh, right now it's it's been. I gotta reiterate this. Um, even though the film that comes out on the twenty third, yeah. um, the the screening we're calling it. We're not calling it premiere. We're calling it a screening. Okay. Uh, the reason being is that uh, for people who don't know how film festivals work. Uh, a lot of times, if you hold a premiere that isn't involved with the film festival, it hinders your ability to get into those film festivals. Yeah, okay. So, November 23rd at the Hollywood Theater, we're not calling it quite a premiere, we're calling it a private screen, nice. you know? So, okay. it's not really private, I mean, you can pay to come in and watch it, you know? <laughs> Please, <laughs> come in and watch it, that's what, what we're telling what, you. Lydia, do you think we can get you to fly down? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I wish. It looks amazing, and I do want to see it, because I think that people right now that are on the Dark Cabaret bandwagon could really learn a lot from that, because we te- like only really have documentation of more mainstream shows to really base things on, and YouTube, which isn't always as well lit, and it doesn't always get into the characters, because right. I'm really excited about that aspect of this show. Right, but I mean, we're, we're, we're calling it a, uh, a screening, and, and that honestly, you bring up a very good point. Um, when I was doing a little bit of research um, for this documentary because I was curious what, to see what other people had done. That was the thing I found, that there 
isn't any precedent for this. No one is has touched this. You you gotta you have a little bit uh, with just burlesque in general, what they call postmodern burlesque. That's that's the style of burlesque, I guess you could say that you know macabre's done and uh, what other people who are who perform at the atrocity exhibition in the burlesque category do, but nothing to the extent of this postmodern dance where you're combining not only burlesque but you're combining sideshow and you're combining mm-hmm. uh, you know performance art. They're vaudeville. really it's all vaudeville. it's all vaudeville. Well, yeah. they, that that's kind of what this year's theme was. That's yeah, the thing oh, you really? got to keep in mind is that okay. the theme changes every year. Oh, cool, cool. I you know, know next year will be a completely different theme. It won't be Commedia del uh, Muerte, which was this year's theme. So, well, were you intimidated when they asked you to? Very. Yeah. Okay. How did you get, how did you get started? You went to Macomb first. What, what did you do? Um, I. How scared I, was he? Yeah. How scared was I? I was pretty scared. <laughs> you well, you had your doubts about yourself. That's for sure. Um, you know, I just I just wanted to get behind the scenes of everything that we do because right. it's it's crazy and everybody every year is like we need to record this stuff that we go through prior to this event. And so I was like, you know what? We should do that. It's our fifth anniversary. And I was like, Brian Coddington. <laughs> Very cool. Why don't, why don't you come and film this? And he was like, you know, I've never done a documentary. Me. <laughs> and he said, and I, you know, I've never done a feature length. And uh, I'll need a crew. And so we need to acquire that. And so it was more intimidating. But I think, you know, once it got down to the filming and everything, it, it became really like second nature to you, honestly. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, they were invisible for the most part while we were here at the house and everything. And, you know, and he was good with the questioning and the interviews. Like, he, he handled it like a pro. So yeah, he, He's blushing right now, just so you know. Aww. I'm blushing as I hold a fake heart. <laughs> yeah, he's holding the heart. He's of got a deep. fake heart. Yeah, it's, it actually will, it will pump blood if you hold that thing That's right. That's cool. Just be careful. Um, yeah. I actually was thinking of, you know, Indiana Jones and Temple of Doom. Ah. Know, but if you want to go Helm's Deep, that's cool. Um, but... Uh, no, but- that's the science of a good filmmaker, though. Yes, you know, yes. you're you're able to take any medium and 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 turn it in into something, turn it into a story, you know, and and turn it into like an yes. art piece itself. So that's why you know I had confidence in him because I'd seen his you know his his independent films and you know he's good at what he does. I, so I just I, find I it funny she hasn't it. seen the film yet and she's saying this. <laughs> She's hitting it right on. I mean, really, that but, was really but cool. That's, but that's what the spirit of atrocity is about. You know, we bring these entertainers back year after year because they have a true passion for what they do and they're good at what they do. And everything they touch becomes art. And, you know, he's been a part of this family for, you know, a number of years. And, you know, it, it was just time that he took on like, a bigger project with it and evolved with the show itself. Right. Are the majority of these people uh, performing artists to begin with? Do you have any new people that just jumped in this year and now they're suddenly in a movie? And... Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Actually, everybody everybody that's performed, um, I've been performing with, like all the locals I've been performing with in the city for, you know, a number of years. And then anybody that came from outside the city, um, I tracked them down because, like, they were really good at what they did, and I took a chance on them. I was like, cool. I don't know them, but, you know, let's bring them in. And fortunately, everybody that we've, we've brought in has been, you know, fantastic. And they're all, you know, really, you know, have have perfected their craft. Right. 
right. um, and we give them like a platform to be really creative and really bizarre. So it just it's it works out. We just find weird people that are really good at what they do. They've been doing it for years. Um, we very rarely have many people jumping on, and I mean we do. I, I've been approached. I've gotten emails. Um, you know, from entertainers and artists, like, I do this, uh, I, I want to do your show, you know, I, I just started, and, you know, I, I'd love to, you know, give them a chance, because everybody deserves their first chance, but we're so hand-picked, and we're so close-knit, that it's hard to just grab every person that emails me, which is a lot, so, you know, we, we stick with a base, and um, it, it's worked out, the equation has worked out thus far. <laughs> It sounds. It looks to me like you're going to be getting a lot more contacts very soon. <laughs> yeah. I, I just watched a little bit, and what I see is like a series of vignettes, like you said, um, Brian. It's just like you shot it with a bunch of cutaways, I guess. You, you well, show a little bit of the Well, what I, what I decided to do, and this is honestly getting back to that whole was I intimidated, um, because of the fact that I, I typically don't work in documentary, um, I wasn't sure how to go about organizing it. Uh, we did have some technical difficulties in the onset. Uh, I mean, I've been working on this thing. We started in April, um, getting interviews, and you know, we had to organize all the footage during the summer. But then we had a whole bunch of technical problems in which I had to log all the footage a total of three times, <laughs> and that's seventeen. That's a. I think it was the final count was roughly around seventeen interviews total, 17. ranging between. Five to ten minutes to everywhere up to thirty minutes uh, in some people, and then uh, around I'd have to say twelve to fifteen hours of footage. Twelve to fifteen. Yes, twelve and to you fifteen had that hours. Down to seventy, you said. Now it's getting a little longer. Well, no, that's just total footage. I mean, that's like over the course of you know three days with the actual event, and then you know however you know long the interviews were. Um, but yeah, as right now it's it's been narrowed down to a. It, I originally said it was going to be seventy minutes. It's not going to be seventy minutes. It's probably going to be closer to ninety to one hundred minutes, which isn't bad either. I mean, that's yeah. you know. Well, that's the beauty of this. You don't know what's coming next. No, I don't. And that's that's kind of the, the structure of this. Yeah. I didn't know. Like I had tried to go about it the way that I go about my narrative work, and that's you know a lot of pre-production, a lot of knowing the skeleton of the film before you've even cut it, and you can't do that with a documentary. It's not possible. I mean, because I have ideas in my head of, oh, I want this to happen here. Right, but right. if I'm looking at the footage and, you know, let's say, because I did interview Macabre, and Macabre doesn't say this, then it's kind of like fitting square pegs in the round holes here. So, honestly, what I ended up doing was I just, I watched the footage, and if I liked something someone said, I said it. And I put it in there, and that slowly grew a pattern to which I ended up going the most logical route was let the actual event tell the story of this event. So it is told through vignettes, and there's a beginning portion mm -hmm. where it talks about, you know, how the history of this, this event happened, and then it goes into, you know, some of the individual mm -hmm. parts, like the fact that Rachel Deacon did take over to do video this year, you know? And my involvement with the video portion, and then into the vendors, which is honestly interesting because the vendors are just as handpicked mm -hmm. as the performers are. And the the event itself is the character, which is some of the best Correct. movie making there is. So and that's what I want to do because you could easily make documentaries kind of like Food Inc., where it's a complete narrative structure and there's a beginning, middle, and end. Mm -hmm. And there is that in this. Don't get me wrong. There is going to be an end portion, which honestly, that is where it hammers home the communal family atmosphere because what 
you know, you're going to see in this film is that not only do they do the show and the lead up to the show, but they have to decompress. So they go to a place called the Grand Midway Hotel in Winber, PA, which I suggest that anyone who watches this movie that they try to experience it. I mean, I'm trying to capture it as best as I can, but you really, you're not going to get it justice unless you actually go to this place. And that's where these performers and everyone involved, they decompress and they, you know, get back to what the whole event is, which is family. Gotcha. No. Well, uh, again, Lydia, you you there with us? Yes, I definitely oh, am. I know you're there. I'm I'm I, there's, a, there, there's a delay. <laughs> she's. She, I swear to God, she's going to write a paper on this. That's okay. <laughs> no, but she's a she's a horror writer, as I said. Yeah. She, she's also involved in photography and a lot of bands, and she's had some experience in performing arts. Um, do you have anything you could throw their way that a different angle than I would normally approach? Well, aside from wanting to know when it'll be available for purchase online and after the, um, the festival run, the festival bid, when can we expect to see it in theaters? But first, like, yeah, as David said, I do, I do have an interest in, in photographing and watching events like this, especially of a dark event. I'm not so much for the typical vaudeville and, yeah. uh, you know, fun, happy and cute burlesque as much. No, that's not you at all. I'm not no. a comedy fan. No. Well, yeah, it's like I'm not a comedy fan. That's basically it takes a large chunk of of this sort of performing art away from my enjoyment. And I can understand everyone else in the world loves it. Yeah. And I do to a certain extent, but not enough to go, you know, it doesn't get me excited. But dark cabaret and, and gorelesque and the, the dark Halloween-y when it's, you know. Yeah, I like that. So I'm, I'm really yeah. interested in this because it looks a little darker. Uh, they all have, they all mm-hmm. have like twist to them like we invited um an actual like uh cabaret pianist last oh, year for his first time vincentos oh and, my god um, nice. he's like he he does drag but he does this very edward gory um dead uh, i don't even know how to explain I, it i look, um, I look at his deadpan almost performance yeah he's very comedy to it but and all of his songs yeah. are very dark but he's up there playing the piano and it's just him and a spotlight a microphone and a piano and he keeps you like his stories are so take these these sarcastic and dark and um you know uh it just they take this turn to them that keeps the audience captivated you know normally when we have like a band to get up there and play in the middle of the show we've had problems in the yeah. past where we lose some of our crowd that's like their excuse to go out and smoke but he kept everybody there because he was so <laughs> engaging and in with the audience and you wanted to hear what was coming at the end of this song or at the end of this monologue and um and you know he added you know just he was just perfect right in there so um like he was another piece of the puzzle that fell right into place for sure last year but um but yeah it's it's really cool how they all just so happen to have like that that little twist at the end of everything that they do that keeps it from being that cute vaudeville and takes it into a little bit of a darker realm which is why i had lydia involved yeah entirely yeah then santos gave my friend um... nightmares (laughs) go ahead lydia no, I was wondering, like, do you ever come under fire for the darkness? Do, do people come and uh, go away with a little bit more than they had anticipated? Like, I know there's a huge um, uh, involvement of, of geeks and freaks, and there's a lot of, like, pain acts, which is really awesome. Very Jim Rose. I like it a lot. But are there people that go to the show expecting, you know, a really cute, almost family, uh, PG-oriented thing and, and get, like, shocked away? Um 
Okay, that's a really good that's question. That's a really good, um, fantastic question. <laughs> yeah, we've had um, multiple years uh, where we started very small and underground. Well, not really small. Our first event went over 200, and we were actually really Nice! Um, that's awesome. Um, that's cool. It has, it has grown since then. Um, last year, I believe it was, for the Phantasmagoria show that we did, um, we were advertised in our local city paper. Okay. And a bunch of people showed up wearing their mom jeans, um, just reading the really. they'd written and not really looking into it. And, um, we watched people run out of there. Um, <laughs> and you could tell, you could tell who knew what the event was and who was not just by looking around the audience. And several comments were made to me by the entertainers and people that have been coming to the event for years. It was really weird to look around and see all these people that had seen it in like this hip, you know, mainstream paper and were completely mm. shocked by, you know, <laughs> what, what they saw. But for the most part, um, our audience, and, and that's what's so cool about this event. Um, like we did the Comedia dell'arte uh, uh, or Comedia del Morte Theater last year, which was all black and white circus. Um, we used the old uh, Comedia masks, and uh, the whole thing was just completely black and white. We had a concession stand with black and white swirled lollipops. Members of the audience showed up wearing black and white, like circus gear. I mean, the audience was dressed as well as the entertainers were. And that has been an ongoing trend since the beginning because we do these off-the-wall themes. Um, the audience really gets into it. So we've been really fortunate, you know, other than that one year when we were infiltrated. <laughs> um, we've been really fortunate to have the audience that we have, and it grows by word of mouth. You know, people that went or came into town or saw it on Facebook and were like, oh, my God, this is something I'd totally be into, came and told other people. And then they came back. You know, we have people coming, you know, from New York, Ohio, Virginia, like the entire surrounding area at this point. So we've been lucky. We've been lucky. We've only had one where it was like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, which is so good and so bad at the same time. Like, it's good for press, sure, like in yeah. some respects, even if it brings one or two people that had never heard about it that need to see this and want to see this and are looking for something like this. Well, we um, also... The mom Jesus, that's hilarious imagery. Yeah, we also format the show in a certain way. Whereas the first few acts that are in the show um, are a lot of, like, the bizarre burlesque and, um, like, aerial and, you know... Oh, really? drag and stuff like that and then we take a brief intermission usually with a musical entertainer and that has been santos this year and then the second portion of the show after the musical entertainer is where the hardcore entertainers start coming in so we've formatted it as um okay after this music music uh portion like we're about to start glass walking and sewing our lips shut and we're going to be hanging from hooks and like things are about to get real after this portion <laughs> and so we've formatted it out so people know towards the end of the night they know rev is last everybody knows rev is last he closed the show he closes it every year um he he is a suspension artist um, a, a very well-renowned yeah. one um, he's done some really hardcore suspensions at our show, but he works them into a performance aspect. So there's like Beethoven blaring over the speakers while he's doing this or like Bach, or, you know, Very like, nice. a, um, awesome. and, uh, or a heartbeat with an air raid siren, like, and he's wearing a gas mask. Yeah. But, uh, this year he did Kavadi where he had this entire metal cage built around him and they put spears 
the Cavati spears into this this contraption, and he just looked like this big metal pinhead porcupine uh, cenobite thing, and he had a skewer through his mouth, and there were some people that couldn't take that. Um, but that is why we put him on at the end. But in the end of the show, everybody's jaws are on the floor. Like that's the last thing. That <laughs> what's with interesting them and that's the thing that stays with them. So what's what's interesting about Rev, and this kind of goes back to the the people coming in with mom jeans last year, <laughs> is yeah we did have a few of those who were freaked out and like holy shit the city paper didn't say anything about this and <laughs> ran out. But at the same time. There were a couple people in mom jeans who were in their, probably I'd have to say, 40s or 50s, you know, who came up to me and said, when's that guy going to hang himself? (laughs) (laughs) And I told them, like, "Uh, you you wouldn't expect to hear this coming from someone, you know, dressed like that. Because, you you know, usually you do get your, you know, people who dress in goth gear and, you know, you do get some people in the Dom and Submission stuff. You know, like this year there was a guy dressed like a gimp. You know, I think every year there's a guy dressed like a gimp. <laughs> but uh, you know, they're expecting fetish every year. Like yeah. I don't know, I don't know where they're getting the idea. I, that I think the, it's the electrocution stuff. It's the well, we I think do it's work some in. Yes, like the violent one is considered fetish. Um, we've done rope tying in the past and yeah. and suspension that way, but there's never anything like uh, really kinky about our events. It's like worked into a performance, and so it becomes right. more of a <laughs> pain tolerance skill act you know yeah. it's not really a I think people tend to lump them all together that's the problem there they don't aren't any nuns dressed in vinyl no no <laughs> one's dressed in vinyl no one looks like the crow ripoffs or anything like that you know <laughs> So what kind of audience are you actually after? Do you want to mix the soccer moms in with the goth kids? What's your plan? Just anyone, every all for, for like the film screening yeah. itself. Yeah, I I think it's I think it could work for work for everybody because the main message of this thing is you know not only that these people do these incredible things and put on this incredible show every year, but that it is a family event. You know, Macabre and I were talking about this uh, a couple months ago when she was telling me about how. She's worked certain events in the past uh, because her, you know, her group uh, Cabaret Vulgaire does travel, mm-hmm. and that some of those events that she's worked in the past don't have that family element. That they are all about the money, and you know, and that's that's missing. But the Atrocity Exhibition, at its core, is family. Mm-hmm. You know, you see that it's these people who. So most of them do know each other from before, but like Vin Santos is a good example of this. This is his first year, but he even said, he's like, I feel like I'm part of that family. And that's really the whole crux of this thing. It's, you know, people seeing, yeah, people who are different, you know, who may have been treated like shit in high school. I was one of those kids. You know, they can band together and be family and create this really amazing thing. That was actually on the, the, the smidgen of the movie I saw. Uh, with, yeah. Yeah. It was actually... That's, that's, that's Fat Man D talking yeah, about yeah. that. I mean, that's... You know, she gives two great examples of that and that I did include the film about how she grew up and was bullied and, you know, decided, fuck it, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to be me. And that's really what the whole film's about. You know, I, I, I think that you need movies like this out there. Because maybe you do have that 13-year-old kid who's in high school who gets picked on because maybe he does, like, weird things or he hor- likes horror films or, you know... He, he, Lydia. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was that kid, oh, you know? picked on. I think they were too afraid. Exactly. But you know what he's talking about. 
Yeah, I was picked on for sure. <laughs> we talk about a lot of Slayer here. Yeah, it's just like a, for know. me, it was Marilyn Manson. Okay, I'm a little younger than you, so like he, I had the Marilyn Manson stuff, Rob Zombie core, and all that fun stuff. I mean, that was that was me. That was my high school experience. Absolutely. But at the same time, you do get the the people who will ridicule you and make fun of you. And you know, when you become an adult, you realize, okay, those people are you know pieces of shit that. You know, they're irrelevant. They're irrelevant. Right? Yes, like those people are no longer in your life. They're no longer a part of your yeah. world. And you're surrounded with these people that you wish you know you would have had in your adolescence. Absolutely. But as an adult, you're you're feeding off of them, and so it makes you feel like you know you feel so alone in your adolescence when you're going through that sort of thing. You know, and I was one of those kids that went to a rural school, and I was one of two weird girls in the entire school, and I was a target. And, you know, I just remember thinking, like, why am I so, there's got to be other people like me that mm-hmm. understand I am the way I am. And I was an adult, like, you know, I was right. There there were, like, and I hung in there, and I stayed true to myself, and I'm still who the same person. You know, not I've grown, obviously, since high school, but, you know, I haven't traded who I am in all of that time. I stayed true to that. You know, I didn't conform, you know, um... I remained an artist and I remained who I am at heart and I found all of these people that went through the exact same thing that landed in the exact same place and feel the exact same way as I do. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah I will add this too. Even in the corporate world, those people, those bullies, if you call them that, I, I tend to pick up No, they're bullies. bullies. That's they're exactly still, what they they still exist. And, Absolutely. And, and it's fun to watch them struggle now and they just can't get it done. <laughs> and I, there are people listening right now that know exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. Because I mm-hmm. won. I won again. Anyway, moving yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> and I have, you know, people that join my Facebook or, you know, Instagram or whatever the hell is going around this horrible social media um, that, you know, I, I knew in high school. I, and I, I say I knew in high school um, that, you know, are now, you know, asking me about what I'm doing and, like, checking in on me and commenting on my pictures. And I'm like, I don't even know. First of all, I don't know how you got on my friends list. Huh. If I'd, uh, I must have missed that one. Right. And second of all, like, this is the stuff you condemned me for. Like, you right. made me feel like less of a person, you know, and, and, and I'm sure that, you know, now you're, you know, working your nine to five and you're living your boring life and maybe wishing you'd have taken a different road and living, living vicariously or whatever. But like, who so else did true. you do this to? Like, are you still doing this? Or are you just, you know, yeah. like, <laughs> in some cases they are still trying. They're trying. Yeah. They're trying and failing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, you guys should probably plug your stuff that you got here, too. Like, Macabre, you know, where do we find you guys? Let's tell everybody while we're thinking of it. Um, yeah, I definitely want to know where to buy this yeah, and she's when. <laughs> I told you, man. Online. I'm, like, going crazy for this. Well, and uh, theatrical releases. Actually, first, please answer. Oh, my God. That you're going to be submitting this to festivals. And that's part that's, of what that's your absolutely. Yeah, Kickstarter the, was for. The Kickstarter, um, when, yeah. When is the uh, theatrical, like, the push for um, different film festivals well, going to be over? And when will it have a broad theatrical release? And will it come to Canada? Okay, uh-huh. well, well, here's what I'll tell you. Here's what I'll tell you. Um, if you want this film in Canada, contact some, some film, some, uh, you know, independent. I don't know, do you guys have independent theaters up there? 
OMG, yeah. I've recently interviewed one of the um, co-owners of the Mayfair Theater, and we're very okay. close with Ottawa Horror that I write for with the Mayfair Theater and the other owner, Aliyah DeMarb, uh, who's also a filmmaker in his own right as well. So I can definitely look if into you, that, because now I'm very, very, yeah. very interested if in you, this. If yeah. you want this film, if anyone who wants this film to play in their town, I'll tell this right now. I didn't I didn't tell McCobb this, but I'll, I'll tell it right now. If you want this film to play in your town, Contact me and I'll and I'll get the film to you. There you go. Okay? I'll make it happen. I will make it happen. Um, Slow clap. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so yes. if you, if Lydia, if you really want this film to play in Canada in your town, you you get in touch with me and get in touch with some people over in the theaters and we'll make it happen. I'm gonna. I, I want this to be in film gonna... festivals. I'm, I'm going to try to put that in first. I'm going to turn on the Puss in Boots eyes. I'll just like look at everyone with the Puss in Boots face and just be like, please bring me <laughs> because I guess, Well, I know Brian was talking about digital download. Too, that's correct. That's, you know, one of the rewards. So it will be available for digital download before there are hard copies. Like The only actual physical copies that are going out will be released at the film um, screening. Correct. It is not a premiere. <laughs> at the film screening on November 23rd here in Pittsburgh. Um, and what we're doing is that event that has the film screening is actually a fundraiser to raise money to build Atrocity 2014. Um, and we'll be releasing like the theme for the show and everything. But um, we're going to, we actually commissioned Atrocity artists to donate a piece of artwork and they're actually designing covers. And so they'll be like, five um, different DVD covers, like, hand-done by Atrocity Artists. Awesome. And so those are the only five DVDs that will be released as of right now. And those DVDs, I have to make this wow. note, those DVDs are pretty much um, bare bones. I mean, they're pretty yeah. much the movie. I mean, because here's the thing, too, and, and, and this is the important part, too. Uh, the, the film that's going to play on the 23rd is going to be basically the closest I can get to it being done within time constraints. I mean, I'll give you an example here. Um, I've been in talks with, because uh, you know about music, uh-huh. I've been in talks with Rob Gray, who uh, was part of Atrocity this year, um, to contribute music uh, to the film. Cool. Now, Rob, you know, because we did have uh, someone, my actually my younger brother, set up to do the, the introductory uh, track, because he's a musician too, but that kind of fell through. Ah, you know, ooh. so but Rob, who's extremely talented, um, is going to basically step in and fill that gap. So cool. we've got some music that he's going to be using that I want to include in the opening credits and the main montage, which is going to talk a lot about how you know they set up and actually get to the show. Nice. And um, you know that's that's but the important thing is that the DVD that's going to go out to the main public will have whatever Rob composes. I want him to make something special. So what plays on the 23rd is not going to necessarily... It'll be as close as I can get mm. to it being final and done. Cool. Um, but if you buy the DVD, you know, after it's we put it out there, you may notice some slight differences. Can you uh, give us maybe two other acts that you haven't talked about yet, just to give the people an idea of what, what they may or may not see? Um, I mean, honestly... Are you, are you talking about portions yeah, of the before, film yeah, itself? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, we're gonna ha- have you know a portion of it where it talks about um, you know how the film, not, not the film, right. but the, the actual event came to be, how it started off with just you know Macabre and uh, mm-hmm. her partner uh, Aaron, Doctor Morose, um, 
coming together and started to do artwork and how that kind of transferred into, you know, traveling around to different shows and showing their artwork. Uh, and then that transferred into doing their first real show, which became almost the blueprint for Atrocity. And, you know, then we do talk about how the film element, the video element was added to the show. And then we highlight the vendors, mm. uh, which we have a lot of... Uh, if you're a Pittsburgh person and you know some Pittsburgh dark artists, you know, uh, Melanie Stone... Just a few. Melanie Stone's <laughs> included in it. Uh, yep. Steph Shulo, uh, Bill Zabub, the Bone Melanie's Collector. Melanie's been on here quite a bit, actually. She's going to be on again co-hosting. Well, she's yeah. featured in the in the film. Yeah, um, That's cool. Bill Zabub, the Bone Collector, is another one. Justin Shifflett, who's a FX makeup artist. He was, he was featured in the film, that vendor portion. Uh, along with that, you know, I, I decided I didn't want to follow the, the track of the actual performance. So we start off with this amazing number that they did, this gigantic performance number. And that leads us into the show and introduces Cherry Bomb, and who's the host of right, the show. Right, and saw that. from there, it goes to each act and rounds it up with us at the Grand Midway Hotel. And really, the whole point of it is, you know, what does atrocity mean to these people? That's the whole, the, the, I guess, the thesis question, if you want to call it. The, the philosophical ties to it is, what does atrocity mean to you? Because everyone has their own different versions. Most people believe it's family, and that's kind of the whole message. So. And that's interesting. Outsiders would not necessarily look at no, it that way. No, they wouldn't. Which is very cool. I like that. I they like would. that a lot. Um, tell people no, how No, I don't know. No, i gotta, I got to interject just oh, three. Well, go for I it. agree, yes. That is, a, and it is something that not a lot of people would expect maybe going into this, depending if it's there were, how much mom jeans they're wearing. <laughs> but um, having been backstage at a burlesque show and different, uh, you know, punk rock shows and just artists in general, um, you have to expect that. It's almost like the whole Pahrump Nevada thing and how the uh, retiring circus folk live uh nearby and they you know have that that's what their whole community is is founded on and there is so much of that togetherness and and family kind of vibe going on backstage for sure that i'd expect it i i that's part of what i want to go to this to see and that's part of um you know oh uh it's 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 where where am i going with this How, how do i want to say this um the whole family thing is, um, it, it's, it's definitely a, a theme in the movie for sure. Um, and it's, it's more so about like the, we don't get to see each other very often. This is like our one time of year to get together and actually be with each other and create together. So, um, it's, it's, it's so impactful because we all have to say goodbye at the end too, it's true. you know, and we do it every year. We get to say hello to each other. We get to spend these awesome couple of days together and then we have to say goodbye when it's all over. You know, and we all kind go of back reminds to me of Burning Man in that way. Does <laughs> anyone that performs in the show yeah. go to Burning Man nice. and do Burning Man? Yeah, yeah. Actually, um, Mandy is is a long time oh, yeah. uh, Burning Man veteran. Oh, yeah. uh, we have an artist uh, in in the vendors um, that that is a long time Burning Man uh, <clears throat> goer. So I, I, we do actually have some some people who are hardcore Burning Man people. So. Yeah, and not that it's a it's an exact parallel by any means, but it just it's you know it seems like the same sort of same sort of crowd, or at least people who'd like to go and hang out there. I know I would. So yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the show travels? Does the show travel? No. Or is it just the big city bombshells yeah. that travel? I got confused there. I was going to ask um, the same thing. Yeah. 
the, yeah, the Cabaret Vulgaire travels. Um, we uh, we are the sideshow troupe. We have we do burlesque um, and we do uh, traditional American sideshow in like a cabaret format. Um, and so we travel. The Atrocity Exhibition itself, however, does not travel. It's, yeah, it's every what year, is... and the entertainers come to us. Like, uh, there's two Cabaret yeah. Vulgaire, one here in Pittsburgh and one in Charlotte. Um, the Charlotte members travel up here every year. Um, we've been asked to take atrocity to other cities, but um, I don't know. Uh, I'm not sure what the response would be in the cities. Like Pittsburgh's a really no. It doesn't sound town. as portable. It sounds like you know no. you have your particular space, your particular people, time of year, and everything, and you have your wind down session afterward that's kind of anchored. Right. Yeah. Right. I think it would take away from the magic of it yeah. if we, you know, traveled with it. You know what I mean? Just like any kind of festival where, and it's sort of like the whole um, circus theme last year that we did. I don't want to say circus theme because it was not like a traditional like circus theme. It was, you know, an off the wall uh, a blend. But um, the circus you know, nightmare. It, it's like, yeah, it's kind of like the thing where, you know, it, it appears and then and as quickly as it appears, it, it disappears, and it makes it a little bit more magical, you know, cool. to know that it's going to be there again. It will, it's, you know, it'll be in the same place, it'll be at the same time, but, you know, that's the only time you're going to get to see it. So, and, and that was part of the theme this year, too, was that the circus comes alive at midnight, and all these creatures, like, we don't know how long they've been performing, and, you know, and we don't know who they are, and they come alive, and then as quickly as they came alive, they go away. And so, and that's precisely what we do every year. Like, as quickly as we come back, we go away. Yeah. <clears throat> but to, to go ahead and, I guess, plug... Yeah, I plug... The, <laughs> they, tell, they tell them where to see the teaser okay. trailer. <coughs> that got me Excuse hooked. Me. It got Lydia hooked, too. Well, so, all yeah. the information about the film, uh, if you go on to facebook.com forward slash House of Oddities movie, that is where you can find all the information. We don't have necessarily a quote-unquote website up yet, although once we start getting the film actually pressed on the DVD, yeah, we'll go ahead and look at putting you know together a formal yeah, it website. Yeah, it would be a branch extension. I do have like a slight page up on um, com. Right. So um, if you go to www.morosandmacabre.com, um, you can find some details about the film on there as well. Correct. Uh, I do, do we still have the, the ticket sale thing up? Yes. Yeah. You can pre-order tickets for the, the 23rd. You hear that, Lydia? <laughs> uh, yeah, I did. It seems a little soon for I me know, to get I there. Know. Ten bucks a piece. But maybe I want to go, go and see the show next year. Yeah, exactly. She's your new number one fan. You know, Macabre, you actually hit on something that is... Uh, it's actually one of my favorite things in, in all of horror movies, actually... When it, just the whole the whole idea of the project the projectors running. There's people running. There's people on the stage. There's a film running, but you don't know who's running the theater. And that's like that movie uh, Theater Bazaar, which is on. Uh, uh-huh. Netflix. I exactly. love that. I love, love that, that aspect. Film. Like yeah, like they you dress the crowd and just looks and but you don't really acknowledge them. And and like who's running the show? Maybe nobody, and then it's over. That is the best. I, I that's the best way to explain it. I appreciated that. Yeah. You guys got sweet. anything else you want to throw out there? Let, let people uh, find you or anything else you got going um, on? Find us on Facebook. If you go to uh, facebook.com slash House of Oddities movie, you can find Brian, you can find myself. Yep, yep. You can find com. It's all there. So go to the Facebook page, like it. Um, the trailer's up there. So 
Are you out? You guys in the Twitter world at all? I'm in the Twitter world. All right, let's look up. I am in the Twitter world, but it posts from my Facebook, so. I don't really check Twitter. I don't, as you know, McCobb was talking about the social media bullshit. Um, <laughs> it's true. Uh, I am on Twitter, at Brian Coddington. I think that's what it is. All one word. Well, you know what? It gets um, me. It gets me listeners. You know, people listen to the show on Twitter. That's you know. A, you know really Vic Shade told me the exact same thing, yeah. and I still don't like it. Twitter. I, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> not a big fan. But Lydia knows. We're on there. We retweet each other and get our stuff out there. As a matter of fact, Lydia, do you have something right now you want to plug or talk about? I know you're very busy. Oh God! But what's coming up next? Um, oh God. I still, I still <laughs> no, plug, uh, I'm going to be filming some more typical book segments because I'm coming down to a, a couple week lull in my work, which leaves me some time to do some stuff. But a whole bunch of events just passed, so this is like I, I should have been on last week I to know. plug some sort of Halloweeny stuff because I just had Halloween from heaven or hell. I don't know. It was really really fun, but those events are all dried up and blown away now. But still, we also can we can listen to you right now on the Wicked Library with your short story that that was on last week, which is phenomenal. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, with what thirteen other guys? Yeah, thirteen horror writers: and... Nelson W. Piles and the Wicked Library. Nice. He did thirteen authors in one hour and a half sitting. Wow, short stories. Fourteen, Amazing. including Nelson. Yeah, Yank, yeah. No, yeah. I had insomnia uh, the night it was released. I guess Devil's Night for real. Sure. And up at four thirty in the morning, and Nelson Post. It, so I got to listen to it uh, in an insomniac fugue that was really awesome and really scary. <laughs> nice. It was good stuff. Yeah, that's the Wicked Library. All right, well, folks, this was really good. Um, nice talking to you, McCobb. Thanks for calling in. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Oh, you bet. We'll do it again. And Mr. Coddington, uh, again, thank you so much. This oh, is what you your fifth time on. No, yet. second You're time. You're a regular on No, it's the second yeah, time. Whatever. It's like the Saturday Night Live uh, <laughs> host jacket, you know? Remember exactly. that old sketch? You know, one of these days. I think, what do, you, what do you have it at, number four? Yeah, I think Fourth so. time you get the jacket, you know? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll just give you that seat. <laughs> All right, well, good night, folks, and thanks for listening. Have a good night. And as always, I like to end with music. We're going to hear something off of Electronic Saviors 2, Industrial Music to Cure Cancer. Compliments to Jim Simonic, of course, who uh, produced it, of course, and, of course, contributed a lot to it. I just got contact from him, actually. This is Jim Simonic who confirmed for um, the Electronic Saviors 3, uh, already confirmed Assemblage 23, Interface, Decoded Feedback, Aesthetic Perfection, Caustic, Panic Lift, and The Clay People. I love The Clay People. Fantastic, Jim. We're looking forward to that one, too. Thanks again to my guests, Macabre Noir, and, of course, Brian Coddington. Uh, welcome back once again, Brian. And Lydia Peaver, thanks again for your help. Your assistance is always just golden, and I appreciate it. And now for a little Notmar, can you feel the beat?
Some Lucello, okay? Okay, let's settle that. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here, and I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives' activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production. Electric Cast. Electric Cast.